0: This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan.
1: Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. A great philosopher once said, Momentum is your best friend or your worst enemy. That's true. It's kind of like... What we say about gravity what goes up must come down this is always a true statement and because it is true the truth is predictable and accurate it is going to be very consistent unless something interrupts it or alters the space around it i wish this were true of policy especially around food security resources that are assigned to address the need and the policy the programs that that come into being because of the policy, I wish these were insulated against the winds of change that are fired by someone's ideology. Several years ago, we asked you on this show if you got milk, because our friends at the Michigan Milk Producers Association and the United Dairy Industry of Michigan began donating up to 350 gallons of milk every day to our food bank network. But here we are faced with the winds of change or the actual clawback of money because of the deal struck on the debt ceiling. It looks as if the unspent dollars with are no longer ah it looks as if the unspent dollars will no longer allow MMPA to donate the milk as this money covered the cost of processing. There is much to say here, and as always, Jerry Brasson joins me along with Scott Piggott, the CEO for the Michigan Farm Bureau and a member of the Food Bank Council's Board of Directors to help me answer the questions of Got Milk? For how long and why we need a different approach to addressing food security and its resources both here in Michigan and in the states are as the topic we'll cover today. Join us for this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us. Jerry Brisson, aka Taylor Swifty Brisson over there. <laughs> CEO at Gleaners. Congratulations on a on a pretty important uh, event happening, Taylor Swift concert. And I understand Jerry, she's done this across uh, the entire United States tour.
2: Yeah, she's trying to help communities as she as she's around, and uh, it was really nice of her and her team to select gleaners to to literally provide tens of thousands of meals to our community, and uh, we were we were delighted and surprised. We didn't know it was going to happen. Um, you know, I had I had a friend of mine say, "Well, did you get to go to the concert and and receive the gift?" I said, "No, I think one of the conditions was that I not be there." <laughs> <laughs> But it was, it was really generous and, and obviously a, a high moment for the team. Everyone was just proud as a peacock to be included in something as big as a Taylor Swift tour, you know. Right. So tons of fun, tons of fun.
1: Well, thinking of generous, uh, Scott Piggott is here with us. He is the CEO for the Michigan Farm Bureau and a member of our board, as I said in the uh, monologue. And Scott, welcome back to Food First Michigan. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So, guys, uh, let's dive into the deep end of the pool, as we say. I I mentioned in the monologue the the deal uh, in the debt ceiling that uh, has recently passed and perhaps some of the unintended consequences that have occurred or are occurring, and that has to do with milk. Michigan Milk Producers Association have been using money from the uh, Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. It was a COVID era uh, appropriation, and uh, the recent debt ceiling deal has allowed uh, the government to pull back some of that money that has yet been, un- has yet to be encumbered. I think is the right word that they like to use, and so I'm not sure how much money that is and how much money that that is uh, for Michigan. And I guess it really doesn't matter, except because that money going, whatever it is, is going away, and that's the money that. People like MMPA and our dairy farmers have used to be able to donate so much milk. So the irony here is one, this is June is dairy dairy month, so the, the irony is dripping. The other uh, part of the irony is that on this show several years ago, we were discussing how much milk was being poured out and disposed of because there was know how to processing capability and our money to pay for the processing and so here we find ourselves now in a kind of the 180 degrees of that let me throw it to you jerry and see if you can craft this and frame this up for us
2: yeah i think probably the 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 biggest um idea that we have to talk about is how does policy happen and we do talk about this on the show and it's a little wonky right it's not something we wake up in the morning and go you know I really want to know how does policy happen <laughs> but when stuff like this occurs you got to review well how did how does policy happen and what is policy policy are are the the decisions that are made and decided upon that become legislation or it might be a executive order but whatever whatever it is that says this is what will happen from here forward Regarding government expenditures or it could be processes or other policies but fundamentally that's what that's what policy is right it's it's when people decide what will be from the standpoint of how government is going to behave right well there's a downstream impact of that so when you're sitting up in in the the capital and you're talking about the debt ceiling You're not necessarily thinking about all of the implications of pulling back the money that you've agreed has to be pulled back in order to make this compromise. Understood. There's so many layers and and there's already a complicated conversation going on. So it's not that we don't understand. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. But when policy is made blind to the implications of the downstream what ends up happening is you have consequences that are unintended. And that's what we wanna minimize, right? We wanna minimize the unintended consequences when policy happens in a hurry and without regard for what else is gonna happen besides fixing the debt ceiling issue. So Gleaners, just alone, this is Southeast Michigan, we distribute 13 truckloads of milk every month. And when that milk is donated, we can use the dollars that we get from our donors to, to get other food products that, or to pay for other processing or whatever, whatever makes the most sense to keep our costs down and, and get food to as many people as possible with good variety and, and very nutritious food that helps people manage their life when they're going through a crisis. Well, you take away the processing of the milk and now we have to shift our funds. Right, so our donors now have to carry the weight of what that government program was carrying before. And as a result, the community gets less of something. Now, obviously, we are going to do our very best to give as much as we can to continue to provide the best possible experience for people who are going through a time in their life when they need this help, and and we don't mind that there's trade-offs and that there is times when we have to make adjustments. That's that's part of the job, and we understand it and we accept it, and and that's why I have a team of smart people who are working on this stuff all the time. But when you get a week to 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 make a massive change well there's that that that's a lot right that that that's asking a lot of our donors and our team to adjust without any regard for what's consequential about that now we're going to do it and and so i don't want to you know i don't want to give the impression that we can't but there but it does mean other things won't happen important things that the community needs so so I think the the policy here, the the, or I should say, the issue is not that decisions have to be made, but the time frame that they're made and the consequences of those.
0: Uh, from my standpoint, in working for farmers, you will not find a group of people who have to adapt more often than farmers. <laughs> uh, we had our fifth driest May on record. Wow. Um, a lot of our farms this last week received uh, in in the first part of June received some rain, but. Some have received Zippo in the last couple of weeks. So they're all, they are all have something on their heads, uh, whether it's the wheat not filling out or the beans not growing or the corn not growing or the, um, the heat that we had that may have changed uh, production in dairy systems. So farmers adapt. It's just our nature. It's what we have to do. You live in God's world, and he gives you what you get. Um, from my standpoint, in thinking about the debt ceiling, and I think about our farmers, our farmers are very concerned about the national debt. Um, it weighs on their minds. Um, they also are concerned about unintended consequences that affect their supply chains and their ability to continue to do the things that they do, particularly uh, the way that they give. Um, our farmers are giving p- people. Um, they, they want to get food where it's supposed to be. And any time they have a short period of time to react to a change that uh, is going to change the way that they move their product, Not that they won't do it, just like you said, Jerry. Uh, The food banks are going to adapt, um, but it does cut down on one more way that they get food to where it's supposed to go. So from the standpoint of a farmer who adapts to those things every day, the changes that come along, and it's part of being at the front line of the food system, the people who are making the food. There are a lot of different things that we adapt to, including weather. Um, So I can appreciate, I think our farmers appreciate, uh, heads up is a wonderful thing, um, and the understanding that when you're tackling is something as big and as important as the debt of our country, um, there are things they may have to adapt to along the way. You prefer not to find out about them afterwards, but um, it's big. And the way that we react to policy, um, that's why they have the organization that I belong to uh, with Farm Bureau. It, it gives them a mechanism to have their voice heard.
1: We're going to take a quick break here, gentlemen, but you know, before we go, let me just say that in the how fast this has happened, now understanding the debt ceiling had to happen quickly, right that there was a time limit on that. How these programs uh, were to be sunsetted that didn't have to happen as fast. So my point being is the guy said to me the other day, he said, "Phil, I'm really sorry we we had a miscommunication, and I said, mm, i don't I don't think so." because we would have had to have communication in order to have a miscommunication. And in this case, there has been no communication. We just dropped this thing off the cliff. And now those of us who are dealing with this, as you say, Scott, on the front lines of of the food supply chain are on the front lines of distributing food to families in need are now without a resource that we've had for a number of years. And so it, to me, it's like, okay, I'm gonna be responsible for this need and oh, okay, now I'm not going to be. And that quick shift causes a lot of pain throughout the entire system. And in the heart of the system are people. People who are either struggling to, to grow and, and get us the food we need or families that are struggling to have access to food they need. He's Jerry Brisson, that's Scott Piggott, I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're all three back with you in just a moment.
0: Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at
1: fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Scott Piggott, the CEO for Michigan Farm Bureau, is with us. Jerry Brisson, as always, except on Mackinac. Uh, <laughs>
2: just this year.
1: Just this year. So um, we appreciate you being with us. We're talking about this, the deal with um, that was struck for the debt ceiling, which we would all agree the nation's debt is something. And I think, Scott, you made a great point that this may be something that w- we as a nation I'm harkening back to the greatest generation of World War II that's where we have to sacrifice at some point in order to correct this. Um, just that sacrifice coming from folks who are already struggling to, to have enough. You know, and I think that that's, by the way, I do believe that that word is the opposite of poverty. The opposite of poverty is not riches the opposite of poverty is enough and so this little philosophical thought that y'all can unpack that here oh
2: there's got to be a winston churchill quote that goes with that i mean come on doctor it's in the food for thought (laughs) Um,
1: so just to un a couple of things you guys said um in this in that last segment is and it's been something we've noticed also more recently when the emergency allotments or the snap or bridge card ended and what we said then well now the need is being resourced different it's not that there's more food insecure families it means that the need is being resourced different the government was doing this and now they're not so this is kind of the same thing they were doing this and now they decided not to so I think the mistake, though, Jerry, is that when we say the need is being resourced different. Yeah, that's true, because it's us who's doing the resourcing. <laughs>
2: right, right. And, and you know, that's, again, I, I, I said it earlier, we understand that that's part of who we are and who we need to be we want to grow resources to solve this problem and the federal government has a role we think healthcare has a role we think education has a role we know farmers have a role right and so because there's so many people involved in the solution which we do believe in as strongly as ever right it's helpful to be able to have conversations with everyone involved when there's major changes right it just makes everybody more capable of rolling with the punches and and Agreed, that's sometimes a luxury, right? Sometimes things happen and you just don't have time to roll with the punches and you have to make do, and, uh, and that's understood. In this case, I think what, what our ideal would be is that we connect how food insecurity is resourced with what the actual need is. So rather than say, hey, we're going to we're going to discontinue or change a program based on, you know, a budget concern or or a a, another compromise for another reason, that we actually have a framework that we can look to and say, if this is going to affect the way food is being handled through the food supply chain and to people who are in need, right? We need to look at that framework or have something we can look at to inform that conversation while it's happening. And I think that's what we don't have right now. I think that's something that we need to work on. We do have a lot of that in the farm bill. But when you look at, again, healthcare, education, the food supply chain, as well as food banks and the people who we serve, that's a lot of people that that we have to be mindful of when policy decisions are made
0: a lot of voices to be heard yeah. a lot of folks with differing opinions um folks at the at the highest levels trying to figure out what's the best path forward for the entirety of the country i agree with you uh, in a perfect world you'd understand what the outcome was before while you were in the process um i've heard legislation or, or at the congressional level or the michigan uh, scale as making sausage um, you know, you go witness the sausage being made. Everything kind of gets a little bit thrown in here, thrown in there. Um, in this process, when you want to be heard, uh, it helps to be with a, a large group, an organization. It helps to have uh, the voice of a Michigan Milk Producer Association, bringing together 1,100 plus farmers across the state to to bring products uh, along with UDIM. You know, you know. Dairy Industries of Michigan to be able to bring their voices forward and, and have people hear that look, we were part of a pretty cool program that helped us to get our products to people who really needed them in a way that was that allowed us to be um, very mindful of the dignity of the individual. And uh, it, it's we don't have that, we're not going to have that moving forward. We should have our voices heard when we express our concerns about not having that, and in the end, if it ain't coming back. How do we find a way, to your point, Jerry, of getting food from where it's made, in the dairy parlors of our state, on the farms of our state, to the people who need it, um, who are going through those hard times. So how do we find that path, regardless of what gets thrown at us?
2: You know, one of the other things that we've talked about with you on the show is that the um, farmers, it's not like their, uh, their margins are so huge that they can just, you know, do anything they want, right? And so, and so, one of the consequences that we worry about is what happens to a farmer when when a significant source of revenue just goes away. Um, While it's true that the weather affects that and uh, and some of the other things, one of the things we're committed to in the food banking world is making sure that everything we do is fair and reasonable, and not we're not just begging for stuff, right? I mean, there is some of that. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) but but you know, we got to think about the whole system, and uh, and I think. what you just described about about farmers and what they want emotionally and 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 the things that are important to them from their values has to align with the economic realities right those things have to be aligned for things to happen in a sustainable way and certainly in a scalable way and and it affects more than just the people in need so I I appreciate that perspective a great deal
0: when Phil opened with the monologue to these segments he mentioned that the, the money that came was coming from that program that was helping us to get milk directly to the food banks, um, it really paid for the processing costs. And really that's kind of the bridge that we need to build, I think, in getting food from farms. From a donation standpoint, or or even just recognizing that they, you know, the, the systems can't afford the full freight on what we would normally charge for products. Um, but we also have to understand that it takes it takes time to be able to have the the workforce to be able to get that milk into a usable form. It takes processing costs, and we may have farmers on the farm that say, you know what, we have uh, we've got some extra X this year, and we'd like to be able to donate it, but. Just the labor costs, the refrigeration costs, the transportation costs of so getting that where it needs to be. For programs like this that used to help us build that bridge, um, it really does make it tough. For you have a beautiful food bank system that is the best that it can be at getting food where it needs to go, but it's got to have the food to distribute. Farmers are creating uh, on, on thousands of farms across the state wonderful products, um, but building the bridge to say that if I'm gonna if I'm gonna contribute. And farmers do this all the time. You guys work with hundreds of farmers across the state um, that take their time and their resources to be able to get uh, the labor out of the field and get the product to you in a way that you can move it. Um, But helping to build that bridge between the farm and sourcing and getting it to your shelves, um, because you guys are the best at distributing that food. How do we do that better? And programs like this, if they're not there in the future, it would be nice to have some heads up, be nice to phase them out at different times so we can make better decisions. But in the end, we're, we just need to make this happen. So how are we going to build that bridge?
1: Well, and I think that's part of the reason for this show. How do we change the conversation about food security and the interrelated issues when certainly supply is one of those? And we've never felt that more than in the last several years with the shortage. I, I guess this is what I'm going to do to wrap up this Segment for us is that if somebody could tell me where the world court that deals with issues of, that are, are about the topic, this just ain't right. I'd really <laughs> like to know the address of that courthouse because when community-based organizations have to become the safety net to the government safety net with no notice whatsoever, that just ain't right. <laughs> He's Jerry Basson, I'm Dr. Phil Knight and our guest, Scott Pigott, the CEO for the Michigan Farm Bureau. We're back for another segment. Come back and be with us, too. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with you. Jerry Brisson, as always. And our guest, Scott Piggott, CEO for Michigan Farm Bureau. And, of course, I'm sure top of his resume, being a member of the Board of Directors for the Food Bank Council. (laughs) Um, Scott, we we were friends long before you became a member of the board, dreaming about how we could work together to source food for families in need. And... um, I, I think it's pretty, pretty cool that those conversations have, are evolving, and and in one day soon we're gonna have something really cool to talk about here, um, but you know we're talking about a pretty complex problem today, food security in general, right? But then you know when it comes to policy, someone said to me recently, let me get y'all's reaction to this, so. so Phil, what what exactly do you do in your job? And I'm like, well, probably more than 70% is I'm advocating on behalf of the food banks and the families that we serve. So you're like a lobbyist. So yeah, but I'm doing good. (laughs) 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 And, And so, well, why does a nonprofit need a lobbyist or an advocate? And my answer was pretty simple because everybody else has one, and that's the truth, and that's things happen through relationship. I just described mine and your Mm -hmm. relationship. Things only happen through relationship, and change, you said on this show several years ago, people fear loss more than they fear change. Now, Jerry's used that quote numerous times and has given you no credit for it (laughs) whatsoever. So when I use it, I give you credit for it the first three times I did. So anyway, I'd like for us to just unpack this a little bit more because with these policy changes, people are experiencing loss. And it's change and, and again, you know, we're not saying the debt ceiling or the national debt is a good thing. Mm-hmm. We want it to be addressed too, but it can't be addressed painlessly. But my question is why does it have to be addressed on the backs of people who need milk for God's sakes to give to their kids every week and month?
2: Yeah, I think the first thing we gotta do is separate consequence from intention. Right. Hmm. Because the, the, when you see a consequence, it's easy to jump to what did people intend. But a, a lot of times, I mean, one of the things we've said many times, and I'm sure I stole this from someone who I'm not giving credit to as well. Probably the, me. <laughs> probably. You're my favorite for sure. Uh, is the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve. Right. It's just the truth. Right. The less, you know, the easier it is to solve. So. So um, even, Scott, as you were talking about building a bridge, the awareness of that has grown over time. You start by going, well, we just need to get the food right. Let's get the food. The, you know, how much food do the farmers produce? Let's talk about how much food is sourced and how much could there be sourced. But as soon as you dig one thing one slight bit deeper, you go, wait a minute, the the farmers will produce anything we want, anything we need, anything they can afford to do, they're going to do, they can do. We have a lot of confidence in them. Every challenge that's come their way, they've faced and done better. They can grow more food now than ever before. Maybe it's not the issue. Maybe the issue is what happens between the food or having the food and where the food needs to be. So then you have that bridge. Well, then you start to dig into that and go, okay, now what does it mean to build that bridge? Who's already strapped in that part of the supply chain? How much capacity is there? What is the investment that would have to be made? And you start to dig deeper and you realize that part of the chain has three or four pretty important segments that aren't the same as each other. So so to get to the answer to the, to the question that you posed there, doctor, about... You know, how, you know, what What are the things that it takes to really drive success in a system change? The first thing is you, you have to admit what you don't know, right, you, you've got to let go of the easy answers and really dig into the hard answers, the complicated answers because that's where the answers really are and then you've gotta move forward with that knowledge a step at a time because you can't afford to to change something all at once. You you've gotta take it a step and then you're gonna learn from that and that's gonna teach you more and it really does have to be somewhat incremental. So that's how I would respond to uh, to your, you know, query. And I'm sure Scott's got a better response. <laughs> I don't,
0: know, don't know about better response, but um fill open with with what your purpose is and what you do and My purpose and my job is to serve farmers, uh, the farmers of the state of Michigan. And a lot of times, uh, there are a lot of different answers and a lot of different solutions that are offered. Solutions, uh, they come and go. And you said, you know, sometimes if you're not engaged in the problem, it's pretty easy to offer a solution. But it more than likely isn't the answer. Um, Farmers do it quite often. You know, in the work that we do and the planning that we do, um, there are a lot of different ways you can do something. But answers are hard to come by sometimes when I think about the the gap in between the idea that you got a lot of farmers out there growing a lot of different things to be able to get the products that our state our whether it's the people who purchase the products inside of stores or the opportunity that we might have to 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 donate products uh, given years um, or just simply to build better relationships with the food banks so that if we have not even excess but if in our hearts, uh, you know, I think there's over 200 growers today that, on the west side of the state that donate every year something to yeah. the food banks. Um, each of the food banks has relationships with their growers. When stuff like this comes along, and God bless it, when you're at the, when you're at the beginning of production, we are, we are price takers. We are not price makers. Uh, and things are done to our industry often, whether they're in the halls of Congress or in their, our legislature or in regulatory bodies. Um, you sharpen your pencil. So if we don't have access to some resources as a result of some action done by our congressional representatives or our state legislators or our regulatory bodies or just simple changes in markets or weather, um, if it's important enough, we'll do it. Um, I've never, whenever we work with our members to do things around the state, and we've got over 40,000 farming members in the Michigan Farm Bureau, um, you sometimes hear that some folks are real busy. Well, if you want something done ask somebody who's busy to get it done because uh, they get things done. Right. I have no doubt whatever thing gets thrown at us, uh, if you have a committed agriculture, you have committed food banks, we will build a bridge to get food where it's supposed to go and into the hands of the people that need it because um, we truly do believe in the dignity of the individual. If there's a way that we can help somebody that needs help, um, the farmers of our state have proven time and again they'll always be there.
1: Well, I think you know this shows about the loss of a program or funding for a program that gave milk to families in need, and so I think that we're all going to end up rallying together to try to address this need um, But I really like the discussion that y'all just had about how did you say it, Jerry, separating intention from and consequence consequence, so Patty Graham who's the CEO for Meridian Health Plan, who's been a guest on the show. She says this, I'm giving her credit, this is like me, this is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> she says, we judge people on their actions, we judge ourselves on our intentions. And I think that separates it pretty nicely. So people are, saw the debt ceiling, they knew they, had, they wanted to deal with that, maybe needed to deal with that. Um, but there are some some things that are falling out from that that really do some, some harm. And you know, and if there was a communication that says, hey, this is what you guys are gonna have to do to sacrifice to help us get the debt ceiling under control. Okay, that's, first off, that's a conversation and that's a totally different context than, what, this is gone? We don't have this, the farmers don't have it. The families don't have it. The food banks don't have it. And it was it was here yesterday, and it's it's gone today. So I think we will end up rallying together. He's Scott Bigot. He's Jerry Basson. And we're all three. Are we all three back together for the next segment? You want to just keep Scott on for the last segment? Yeah,
2: I mean, the next two shows, in my opinion. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Hang around, Scott. We'll finish this show together.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Scott, we're keeping you for the last segment. Scott Piggott, the CEO for Michigan Farm Bureau. Uh, normally, this is where Jerry and I talk about the guest. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, since I'm good you're here. It. <laughs> uh, no, it's great to have you. Thanks for making the trip down. It's always better in the studio. I know it's a long drive, but we appreciate it. Thanks for, for doing that. We're here in the WJR studio. And, Jerry, here's the question for you, two, as we wrap up this show. We've gone through a tremendous drought in regard to supply of food during the last, I don't know, six, eight, nine months. I don't want to be in this position again, I I really don't. And so what what do we see, what do we want to, that's what I don't want to see and I'm going to work to make sure that we have a better supply of food and I'm actually going to be working with you and your team. What is it that we're missing in this conversation or what you know, you talk about the, the the picture of solving hunger starts in the field. What are we missing here? What's missing that we don't want to miss at this time next year?
0: In my opinion, and and I might be all wet. Um, in some ways, it's awareness of the opportunity. Um, hmm. It was a it was a time back before I met Phil. This is 20 years ago. A friend of mine was working at a at a school district uh, at their ISD, and he came up to me after church and he he said, "Do you guys have a foundation?" at Farm Bureau and I said, yeah, we do, what are you thinking? He said, I have 4,300 kids every day that go home hungry. And I didn't understand that. He was in a school district that was rural. It wasn't something that I had in my mind, the smallness of my mind that, well, that's just a a, a bigger population issue. Well, it's it's not. And uh, ever since that conversation, uh we have continued to to help our folks understand that there's a need and that need doesn't exist far away it's it's right in your own communities so really how do we focus on helping the people that live close to us um, get over the stigma of not having enough resources hmm. um, how do we help ourselves to understand just first of all what the need is and then how do you position yourself as a farm as a farm organization as a as a as a a body in the state that has a responsibility to our communities, Um, and we've been doing it ever since. Uh, Thoughtful conversations, um, growing an understanding of of what we can do and can do better. Uh, We have some great initiatives internal to the organization that I'm blessed to work for, Um, but really uh, my awareness has grown of the work that you do in the food banks. Uh, Just what you do every day to help people and families uh, to be better, to be better for themselves, for each other, And for the state and um, I can't tell you I wish I could share that awareness with so many more than than the people I talk to every day but um, I'm I'm grateful for the the work that you do in food banks and the awareness that you help us you grow inside of us every day um, because it helps us to get better together Um, that's
2: what I see it's awesome on this show we spent time talking about something that just happened laying it out explaining it and looking at it carefully So that we could share with our listeners who want to know about these things, how do things actually work, right? What's going to get us to a different place a year from now is from that knowledge, picking the one or two things that we can do with that to help people understand there's a better consequence than what we got this year, right? And a lot of people will invest in a better consequence. They will. They'll see it. They'll go, oh. You're right. There's a there's a way that this could have been done better. It doesn't necessarily have to cost more money either. Costing more money, either, you know, growing resources to solve the problem, that's part of it. But we know more and better. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep learning. We're going to keep communicating. We're going to keep talking to Scott, mm-hmm. and we'll be better next year.
1: <laughs> well, thanks, gentlemen. It's time for a little food for thought. Milk does the body good. So do you got milk? I know you're supposed to say have, but The commercial said, got milk, and this is iconic marketing slogans that we seemingly cannot forget because they're printed across the pages of our mind. The loss of milk is significant, as we've discussed on this show, and bad policy or fast policy from Congress puts downward pressure on budgets for both state and local governments, as well as community-based organizations like our seven Feeding America food banks. That means it puts pressure on the community both when the milk runs out and when we ask the community to help us meet the need across the state. My dad, as many of you know, never finished the eighth grade, but was oh so wise. One of the principles he gave to us was actions have consequences. And when we ask next if we have milk, we will say, well, we used to. It's obvious the folks working on the debt ceiling had other agendas than the priority of food, But here, we will always put and keep Food First, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank
2: Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.